Welcome back to another edition of the Cyclone Slant Podcast, Cyhawk Week edition. Uh, this is Travis Hines, sports editor of the Ames Tribune, joined by Ian Murphy. Ian, what's going on? Not a whole lot. Got to drive to Iowa City tomorrow. Yeah, as uh, aforementioned, is uh, it's Iowa, Iowa State, in both men's and women's basketball this week. Um, the Iowa State men are coming off a uh, thrashing of Omaha on Monday. Uh, as we record this on Tuesday evening, uh, we just uh, left Iowa State availability, and kind of the buzz around there was actually on a different uh, in-state school with uh, Drake and Ray Giacoletti resigning, uh, which just turns over the reins to former Iowa State assistant uh, Jeff Rutter. Uh, for the remainder of the season. So that's a, a little bit of tangentially related to Iowa State with just uh, to Rudder getting a chance to take over the program there. Uh, he's been at Drake for four years. He was at Iowa State for seven. Uh, but I'm sure you guys care more about what's happening in Ames and Iowa City uh, right now. So let's start with uh, the women's team. They're coming off a relatively heartbreaking loss on Saturday to a top 10 uh, Mississippi State team. Uh, before they uh, beat up on New Orleans, but let's before we look ahead to Iowa, let's rewind to uh, Mississippi State. Ian, that was probably a game they should have. Well, it wasn't a game they should have won, but it was a game they certainly put themselves in a position to win uh, late in the game before it, uh, letting it slip away. I don't know that should have won it. I don't think is the right way to say it, but a seventeen point lead at half, you can't give that up. Um, I don't think they have any re- reason to be upset. Well, they should be upset that they lost, but upset with how they played. They just kind of ran out of bodies. I think Jada Buckley had 44 minutes. Shauna Johnson had 42 of 45. Um, so they, I mean, if they had one more bench player, I think they'd come out of that. But by the overtime, the starters were gassed. Uh, the shots that they were making in the first half, they weren't making in the second half. Uh, Meredith Burkhoff fouled out with a little over three minutes left in the fourth quarter, which opened up the paint for Mississippi State, which was really, I think, the death blow. They had 28 points in the paint in the second half compared to 10 in the first half. Um, I think it was just a perfect storm of circumstances that downed them in the uh, overtime. Well, let's look forward now to tomorrow, Wednesday, uh, when they head to Iowa City to take on Lisa Booter's Hawkeyes. What's the, the scouting report for that one? Uh, Allie Disterhoft had 26 points against uh, Iowa State last year. I'd expect another big game from her. She can do just about everything for them. She's a six-foot-tall guard. She can shoot, drive, shoot free throws. Um, so look for her to score a lot of points. She'll be a focus of the Iowa offense and a focus for the Iowa State defense. Um, Finally, it said that they'll probably guard her with at least two at times. Um, In the post, they have three forwards that are about 6'3", that'll challenge Iowa State's depth. Uh, Finally said this morning that Heather Bowie's about 50-50 on whether she'll play to back up Meredith Burkhall. Um, So if she can't, I would look for another extended outing out of Burkhall. And I think T.T. Starks will probably get some play at the five again. Uh, but this should be a fun one. Uh, Iowa beat you and I, I think it was 88-39. to 39. Uh, The game with Iowa State and you and I was a lot closer, um, if you want to look to common opponents. But it should be a pretty entertaining game. What's going to be the key, you think, beyond you know keeping Disterhoff in check for Iowa State? 
Um, I think Jada Buckley's going to have to have another big game. Uh, she's, I think, at least tentatively, I would think it's fair to say that when she goes, Iowa State goes. I think Meredith Burkhall's going to have to have another big game in the post, too. Uh, they just don't have a lot of options down there. But Iowa doesn't have a matchup for what she can do necessarily either. So I think she'll be key as well. What's the importance, I guess, big picture-wise for this game, considering you know Iowa State's non-conference schedule outside of last Saturday is pretty light? Uh, I, this is a big one. This is their only other Power 5 uh, non-conference, I believe. Uh, it's, I mean, they should win this one uh, for their non-conference slate to, I guess, be taken seriously because you can beat up on all the Savannah States and the New Orleans that you want. Uh, but I don't see Iowa State winning the Big 12 tournament. So a win in this one gets you a lot more consideration for an at-large berth, I think. All right, let's talk about uh, the men's game on Thursday with first a little rewind since we haven't uh, discussed that loss to Cincinnati on Thursday and the win on Monday against Omaha. Uh, Thursday, um, you know, I basically rehashed what I wrote in terms of Iowa State's offense just went totally stagnant uh, in the last you know, 10 minutes of regulation and the, the entire over, overtime where I went back and rewatched it on uh, Friday and they had one basket in those 13 minutes of the game that didn't come out of a transition uh, opportunity. And that's just, that's unconscionable for this Iowa State team. And it wasn't because they were getting so many buckets in transition. I think they got three. So the, you don't, you're still only getting four baskets in 13 minutes. That's uh, clearly not very good. And it's not what Iowa State is built on. Um, and, you know, normally you, you'd chalk it up to Cincinnati being good defensively because they are and maybe just some random variation or deviation, I should say. But when it comes on the heels of kind of the same thing happening against Gonzaga, I think it's fair to to look at some red flags there and uh, you wonder what's going on with Iowa State's offense. And I thought we got a pretty good answer, albeit against a poorer opponent on Monday Against Omaha, Iowa State ran a lot more offense. They had a lot more sets in place. I think one of the fair criticisms about them in that Cincinnati game is they just consistently went to spread, pick, and roll, spread, pick, and roll without a lot of secondary or third actions or off-the-ball movement that really put pressure on Cincinnati to make decisions on whether to help or stay, um, You know whether they needed to switch up their matchups. It was really allowing Cincinnati to get to dictate things in the half court, especially because Iowa State had almost zero transition opportunities outside of just a few there in the game. So they were consistently going up against a set defense, a good defense, and a defense if you just go spread, pick, and roll, especially with a guy like uh, Merle Holden, who's not a super threat to pick and pop and isn't fantastic going to the rim on a roll, you're not making the defense come up with a lot of decisions and that's what you want to do as an offense is make defenses make decisions because when they do that they're leaving themselves exposed and vulnerable in one spot and I think Iowa State definitely took steps in the right direction on Monday in putting Omaha in position to have to make decisions and choices about how to guard them and I think you know they reaped the rewards going eight of 16 in the first half from three-point range they ended up with 15 threes um, so things are good or uh, took a step in the right direction. Normal caveat applying is that it came to Omaha. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the more, you know, when you see Iowa State hits 15 threes, you think, oh, Matt Thomas and Naz Long must have went off. That was not the case. Uh, Naz is, I think, one for his last 13 or something like that from three-point range. He says it's not health-related. Um, 
you know, I, I don't know that I'm 100% sold on that just because the numbers are eerily similar if and worse than they were last year uh, at this very same time. But he's been a streaky shooter in his career, less so his sophomore and junior years uh, than we're seeing right now. So maybe it's just a slump, but it's it, I think it's fair to wonder uh, you know how healthy he is, or at least not how healthy he is, but if he's going to snap out of this slump because they need him to be a 35 to 40% three-point shooter for this offense to hum uh, at 100%. Uh, you got any thoughts of their last two games? Uh, I mean, Deontay Burton is still proving to be a freak. I think you wrote it in a column this week that uh, he's one of the more interesting players because he can be so hit or miss. Is that fair to say maybe? Yeah, I mean, what I wrote about Deontay is just he can make tough plays, but sometimes that's fool's gold because it lulls you into a false sense of security that you can make these difficult plays when really over the, the more you do, the more you try hard plays, tough shots, the more the percentages are going to catch up to you. Even if you are capable of doing them more consistently than your average player, they're still not high percentage shots for a reason. And that, that's going to be the problem for Deontay if he continues to just try to make hard plays. And I think we're seeing less and less of them. I think that's a positive trend. I wrote in my column, it reminded me a lot of Abdul Nader, who took until probably the end of December into January before he really pared down his choices into easy, makeable plays. And if Burton can do that, and probably not to the extent, a uh, friend of the podcast, Kirk Holland, brought up a good point that Burton's going to be asked to play make a lot more. So he's going to have to do some of the things that I think make Steve Prome kind of uh, get a lump in his throat. You know, when Burton starts dribbling, you know, when he goes to that spin move, when he tries the behind-the-back pass. But, you know, when you have an offense that really only has one other playmaker in Monte Morris, you're probably going to have to live with that at some level. But if you can eliminate some of the mid-range jumpers, some of the lazy – uh, passes that he makes. I think there is maybe a fatigue issue there. You know, he's obviously a big body and he's playing a lot of minutes. I think he gets tired. And, uh, you know, we certainly saw that against Gonzaga where Iowa State was making their huge run. He had a lazy closeout on a three-point shooter, didn't box out the three-point shooter, and the ball came right back for a three that kind of put an end. I think Iowa State's 15 nothing run. And then on the next possession, he kind of he got out-jumped on a rebound, which you never see because he is such an explosive leaper with those long arms as well. And I, I just think he, he can get tired at times uh, that, that makes some of those mistakes possible. But if he can, if he can just tighten things up, he can be a, a devastating player because there's, there's nobody like him in the country. And the few that can match up with them, you know, it's just not going to happen very often. Um, to flip forward to Saturday, it's an interesting game because it's a rivalry game, which makes you tempted to, say, throw out the records and blah, blah, blah. But it's hard to ignore the fact that the team Iowa State just beat by 44, put up 98 in Carver-Hawkeye, and beat Iowa uh, just 48 hours prior to that. Um, that That's hard to ignore. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty eye-opening. And, you know, Iowa's problem now is that it's – and the problem that they've had, you know, quite a bit in Fran McCaffrey's tenure is that they're just not playing defense right now. It's obviously a, a thing Iowa State has struggled with over the last five or six years as they've stressed offense as well, just, you know, much like Iowa has. Uh, but giving up 98 at home to Omaha is, is not good. And giving up 91 at home to Seton Hall is not good. So unless Iowa comes out and Peter Jack goes bonkers and all of a sudden they're amazing defenders, 
I see. I just see Iowa having a really hard time keeping pace with Iowa State on Thursday night. As part of that youth too, I mean, they did graduate four of their starters from the team. One hundred percent. And Tyler Tyler Cook, who you know still is part of that youth as a freshman, but he's their second best player. Mm -hmm. And for him to be out with an injury is huge for them. Um, I just you know Peter Jock's shooting like thirty eight percent of their shots while he's on the floor. If Iowa State can shut down one guy, they can shut down that offense. Um, if they just run their stuff, they're probably going to get 90 against Iowa unless Iowa decides to you know, veer off and uh, try to slow the game down, which doesn't seem like a, a thing that they're probably super comfortable doing. Um, it'll just be, it'll be interesting. And I wonder, you know, can Bohannon keep with Monte Morris? I think that's a, that's a real tough draw for a freshman. Yeah. yeah, my gut instinct would say no on that one. Yeah, so it's... It's not a great matchup for Iowa, and I think Iowa's going to struggle through most of this year. But you know their their test will come in the Big Ten because I think it's pretty clear that they're not uh, making the tournament this year. So what, how they improve over the course of the next three months is probably more important to them. But for Iowa State, for that very reason, this is an important game for them to win because if you lose it on your NCAA tournament resume, it's not looking like a great win or a great loss, even if it does happen on the road. Um, so I think for them, they just have to play within themselves. If Iowa does come out guns blazing, they just got to handle the crowd at Carver, uh, weather that storm. Because unless Peter Jock goes for 40, 50 points, like, I don't know that Iowa is going to be able to score enough, excuse me, to keep up with Iowa State given the defense that Iowa plays. And, you know, maybe I'll be wrong and maybe this podcast will sound ridiculous come Friday morning. <laughs> But it just seems like this is a huge uphill battle for Iowa in a rebuilding year for them. I think uh, with all the weapons that Iowa State had come back, I mean, we were just talking about it. Nobody can match up. Maybe Tyler Cook could have, but with him being out, I don't see any Iowa player being able to match up with Deontay Burton. Uh, They're too good at – I mean, Iowa State, when they can shoot or when they're hitting them, they're too good at that. I just – I don't see how Iowa wins this one. Yeah, and I don't think Iowa State right now has any lockdown perimeter defenders by any stretch, but I think they've got enough guys that are competent defenders in Nazmi Trulong, in Matt Thomas, in uh, Nick Weiler-Babb that uh, they can throw at Peter Jock to try to wear him down, to try to make him work for his shots, uh, and to, to stay fresh on their end. And that's going to be – and they're all different defenders too because I think Weiler-Babb's got the length. Matt Thomas is probably a little bit more – physical of a defender and you know Nazmi Trulong is going to be just a grinder and a nuisance on him you know trying to get into not so much get into his head as just being a harassing annoying defender which is half the job sometimes so I just don't I think that it that is going to be huge for them to try to keep Jock in check because the dude's just going to keep chucking and chucking because he can get hot and because that's their best option given the youth uh, and inexperience on the floor so that's that's their path to victory, I think, is Peter Jock just going bonkers and shooting 70% on 35 shots or something like that. Yep, and with how streaky he can be, I just I don't see that happening either. All right, I think uh, that's our uh, quick look at Cyhawk Week uh, women's game tomorrow night. Be sure to follow Ian on Twitter for all updates on that, uh, at Ian from Iowa. Um, I'll be in Iowa City Thursday night at Travis Hines 21. 
Uh, give us a follow, read what we uh, write, and subscribe to us on iTunes. And uh, Ian really wants you to give him a five-star review and leave a positive uh, review as well, just for his own ego and uh, self-confidence. So if yep. you could do that, go ahead and uh, do that. And otherwise, uh, we'll uh, see you on the Internet and talk to you next week.